Blog Talk Radio. Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to the Faces of TBI podcast series. I am Amy Zellmer, founder of FacesofTBI.com and your host. Today, I will be chatting with Lily and Mary Bosch, founders of No Helmet, No Ride. This episode is brought to you by Minnesota Functional Neurology, a Minneapolis-based clinic staffed by a caring and progressive team of functional neurologists who are experienced in treating post-concussion rehabilitation, chronic pain, dizziness, whiplash, and migraines. They are the concussion doctors you can trust for comprehensive brain health in Minnesota. They've greatly helped me and many others in the Twin Cities. You can find them online at mnfunctionalneurology.com. Hello, everyone. I am Amy Zellmer, and you are listening to Faces of TBI, a podcast series for survivors by survivors, raising awareness about traumatic brain injury, one podcast at a time. Those of you who might not be familiar with who I am, I am a TBI survivor from a fall on the ice in January of 2014. I'm a frequent contributor to the Huffington Post, and I volunteer on the Brain Injury Association of America's Advisory Council. And I recently released my first book, Life with a Traumatic Brain Injury, Finding the Road Back to Normal. You can learn more about me and the podcast series at facesoftbi.com, and you can also follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Amy Zellmer. Today, my guests are Mary and Willie Bosch, and Willie was an avid hockey and lacrosse player in elementary and middle school, playing for his local association as well as AAA hockey teams. In July of 2014, Willie fell while riding his longboard alone in Roseville. He called a friend who helped him return to his dad's house, and what unfolded from there was unthinkable. Willie was taken to United Hospital, where it was discovered his brain was bleeding. He was transported to Regions Hospital, where two more brain bleeds were discovered, as well as two skull fractures. Willie underwent an emergency craniotomy, and his parents were told his chances of surviving were slim. But Willie wasn't much of a quitter. Mary is a school administrator and the founder of No Helmet, No Ride program, a program offered to Regions Hospital that Mary founded after her son had a near-fatal fall off a skateboard. During Willie's prolonged hospital stay, the family saw more teens coming in with similar injuries. None of those patients had been wearing helmets. It was clear the kids were not understanding the potential severity of the decision they made not to wear a helmet. So welcome to the podcast, Willie and Mary. How are you guys? Oh, we're doing great. How are you? Hi, Amy. Good. I'm, thank you both so much for being here. Um, I'm excited to share your story and what you guys are up to. So thanks for being here. Thank you for having us. So uh, I don't know who wants to share the story, Willie or Mary, um, of, I mean, basically what happened. I know um, Willie doesn't remember much of it, <laughs> so maybe he can share what he does remember. And Mary, you can fill in the, the blanks for us. Sounds good. All right. So uh, one night I went out on my longboard without a helmet, of course, and uh, went around a park that I normally traveled probably twice a day and uh that's truly all i can remember prior uh post i can only recall 
waking up from a coma and having to do months of therapy, starting inpatient and then continuing through outpatient therapy. Um, But in between there, there's no memory for me. How long were you in the hospital? Um, We were there. Let's see, we we came home for a brief week in the interim there where he um, did not have the left side of his skull, um, which was not awesome. We have a new house rule that you have to have a full skull to come in our house. Um, (laughs) Back in the hospital. So um, in total, inpatient, probably about two and a half months. Um, His coma lasted uh, about three weeks. Wow. And he, he I, it's hard to know what he remembers authentically and what he remembers because there's pictures mm-hmm. and videos, right? Um, but from our end, it felt like he sort of came back in October. So fell in July, and in October, it sort of looked like there was like, oh, he's actually tracking with me now. Um so that was that's a pretty significant amount of time. Right. So tell us a little bit about while he was in the hospital. He had several surgeries. He had a craniotomy. Yeah, you know, he actually only had two surgeries. Um, so really, as as you know, the, the TBI thing is a waiting game. Um, so really, we were so lucky that... Um, Dr. Debbie Song did an emergency craniotomy on him as fast as she did. She made that decision. Um, I wasn't, I was driving, I was out of town, so I wasn't here. So um, he, I was driving back from Madeline Island, Wisconsin, while he was getting his craniotomy. And, um, and that was, that's a pretty crazy experience, right? To be. Oh gosh, I can only imagine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, having those medical conversations while I was trying to get to regions was pretty insane. Um, but it was clear they were, uh, his dad was with them, and they were they were going to go as fast as they could, and thank God they did. So that was, and then the only other surgery he had was to put his skull back. Um, but the the part that was so brutal for us was just sitting and waiting. And it's not like someone can can tell you what's going to happen or what you're going to get when that person wakes up or, um, you know, what capabilities. Initially they had said to, they they had very uh, slim chance of survival. And then after um, 96 hours when they felt like he had passed critical brain swell, they were like, you know, we feel like he's going to survive, but he most likely won't walk or talk and minimally, he'll be right side paralyzed because of the placement of the injury. Um, and, you know, my kid's not a super great listener. <laughs> so he, um, he, he woke up one day and asked, why are there so many people in this room? And uh, it was stunning. It was like a movie. Would you say that's when he first kind of had awareness? Well, so we thought he did, right? But then the more we sort of lived in that space, it was clear. And that's hard to know uh, injury or, or medication, right? He was on so many meds. Right. Uh, I, I think 
in part, it was the injury. In part, it was just his entire focus was recovery, recovery. His, his brain's entire focus was recovery. Um, so, like I say, it, it became clear probably mid-October. I just remember one day sitting in the kitchen and thinking, oh, wait a minute, he hasn't really been tracking me the last couple of months like I thought. He is tracking now. Now, You know, he started asking some questions that made more sense. Like he was trying to put some pieces together and um, it, it just, it was, like I say, it was clear that all of the words we'd heard and, and things we'd seen, which were remarkable, he couldn't walk when he woke up. Um, and, and Gillette is remarkable in their work with rehab. And um, it, he, by, by mid-October, walking on his own, even, in fact, in, attending school at Hillmary. Um, he was going part days at Hill Murray and I worked there at the time, which was fantastic because um, I was probably a little afraid to leave aside. <laughs> so that worked out for, for so me more than was, him probably. <laughs> what was your reintegration into school like, Willie? Uh, the first week of school, I really wanted to be there and the doctors didn't know how they felt about that. Um, I was put with someone who I had to, uh, who was my little hallway buddy. And uh, the first couple of weeks I was there, I could only go to one classroom for one hour a day. And then after those first couple of weeks, I could go to half days and then progressively just keep going up to full days. But it was about a month. No, we were, it was probably November until you did full day. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, See, it's a little, it's a little foggy. Yeah. Yeah. I get that. I totally can relate. <laughs> what did, did have you gone back to sports at all, Willie, or have you stayed away from sports? Uh, I'm not cleared to do any contact sports. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is pretty much all that I did prior to the injury. Um. Post-injury, I've done uh, trap shooting, uh, shooting clay pigeons for my high school Mm -hmm. team, and have succeeded in that, Um, and I think this year I might join track and uh, run a little bit. Very cool. And you're a senior this year, correct? Correct. Yeah. And you're going to graduate on time, like? Like, you were able to keep up with your schooling? Uh, Yeah, I'm going to be graduating on time. (laughs) Awesome. Good for you. Thank you. (laughs) I assume the school was really good with accommodating. Yeah, my school was, uh, my school, thankfully, they were amazing at that. Mm Mm-hmm. I think that really makes a huge difference because, you know, I, I've heard other stories where the schools didn't um, necessarily help with accommodations. So I'm really glad that you had that experience and that you are right on track with your schooling. That's, that's really awesome. Um, it's very incredible to be. To add? Oh, I was just going to say it's pretty incredible to be looking at colleges and even having that conversation, yeah. you know, because, it just, it seemed like, 
getting through high school on time seemed like uh, an impossibility, but he's done it. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially when you were being told he might not even survive. I mean, that's right. But, you know, as a parent, that just has to be the hardest thing to ever hear. Um, and especially when you're driving <laughs> across across the yeah. country to get to your son. I just, I can't even imagine how that was feeling. Um, yeah, I, so, I can't either anymore. <laughs> So, Mary, when, so when you were at the hospital with Willie, you say that, you know, you saw other patients coming in with similar injuries to his, whether, you know, from a skateboard or a bicycle or whatever it might be, um, and you were learning that these kids weren't wearing their helmets. Now, was Willie, did you normally not wear a helmet, or was this just an off day that you didn't wear a helmet? Um. Normally, when I did the track around the lake that I fell on, I never wore a helmet. Uh, it was only a path, no steep inclines, just steady cruising. And mm-hmm. But on times that I would bomb hills and go super fast, I would be wearing a helmet and gloves and stuff, but not when I was just cruising. Mhm. Yeah. And I hear I hear similar stories with people on their bikes, you know, like I was just going to the store, you know, I didn't, you know, I was going literally three blocks. Um I didn't I didn't put my helmet on cuz you know, it was just a normal three block ride. So, I know that's a very familiar story that I hear often. Um so what were you going to say, Mary? I'm sorry. Oh, I was just going to say that you know, talking with kids um, I I get that same list a lot. And it's not that we didn't tell Willie to wear a helmet, right? Like I think most parents are telling their kids to wear a helmet at a certain age, though, comes such a huge battle. And it becomes <laughs> something that you, that you can't monitor because maybe they leave with a helmet, but they go around the corner and then it's up to them, right? But the, kid is, yeah. the kids I talk to are constantly making this, Really, and adults too, to be honest, are making this really interesting risk assessment of you know, I'm not in danger. I'm just like you said, I'm just going right down here. One of the patients that we met um, was not even out of their driveway um, when they were injured. And so, I mean, the stories that I've heard since Willie's accident, there is my, my statement to kids is always if your feet are off the ground, then you are at risk. There's just no, yeah. it is a complete white issue. You've lost control and you've given it over to a board or a bike or skates. And it's mm-hmm. not, it's not about your skills anymore. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Cause I mean, you know, I know Willie doesn't remember what happened, but it was probably something like, you know, he was sort of just thinking about something that maybe he was thinking about where he was going and he lost his footing and, you know, just like fumbled. Um, I know that's what happened to a friend of mine on her bicycle. She was just, you know, just going to the store and somehow her foot slipped off the pedal and down she went. She, you know, her head made impact with the sidewalk. And I mean, it just happens so fast. You know, my own accident, walking down my driveway, I stepped on a patch of right. ice. You know, literally in like a half a second, my life changed. Um, right. And 
you know, I mean, obviously we're not we're not wearing helmets just walking outside, although sometimes I question that in Minnesota in the yeah. winter. <laughs> I'm on board, but, you know, that. I'm on board for my kids wearing helmets twenty four seven. How do I get that how do I get that to happen? <laughs> right. But you know, anytime like you say, when your feet aren't on the ground, um, you know, I think it is just a really important thing to remember to wear a helmet. And so that's essentially how No Helmet, No Ride came to be, correct? Tell us a little bit about that. So when, you you know, we were at Gillette, you basically, I lived in the PICU at Gillette. And um, Mm -hmm. it was summer, and so these patients kept coming. And, um, you know, I would talk to the nurses about, like, you know, is it always like this? And one night the nurses and I were chatting, and they are like, yeah, it's always like this. And I was thinking, I mean, I was saying to them, you know, this just can't, it just can't keep happening. How is it, I had taught middle school for years. I, I had a middle, and I had no idea that traumatic brain injury was the leading cause of death for kids that age. I didn't know. Mm-hmm. And yep. I don't know how I didn't know, right? And um, so in conversation with them, and then it was the kind of thing that just, didn't stop. And finally, um, in about October, I woke my husband up one day and said, I have to, I have to do this. Like, I know it's crazy. I know that we're still in the middle of all this, but I have to do this because the deal is I have taught for a long time in middle school and high school. I can talk to those kids. So I have a skill set that I had hoped would make a difference. And I think Willie is the kind of kid that people think this wouldn't happen to. So it resonates with kids because all kids think they're the kid it wouldn't happen to. And I met so many mothers who didn't walk out of there with their children. I certainly can't ask them to go tell their stories. So it felt like I had sort of a responsibility and a, and a collision of skill sets that made it possible. So um, we started this program where I go in and I, um, chat with middle school and high school kids, so like sixth through twelfth grade, and um, I've done it typically in their health class or maybe even in an all-school assembly or grade-level assembly, and I share Willie's story because I think we all know that we should wear a helmet, but I don't think, at least I didn't, have a visual for what that would look like. What's the alternative? What does it look like if you don't wear your helmet? And I really think that the kids have to see it so that they can make the decision that they're, that they're not just being nagged by a mom in the kitchen, that they legitimately right. know, wow, I actually really don't want that. I don't want any of that. Right. So, so Willie, are you going around to schools and organizations and speaking to groups of children? Uh, I am not because most of the time I'm in school myself. Uh, but right. I I helped with my mom and uh, I made a video for her presentation and all that stuff so I can still be somewhat on board with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you're a presence through a video. <laughs> right, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, the presentation <laughs> ends with a video of his story from him um, and and how he feels about it, which I think is probably the part where the kids are like really invested. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and it's got to be challenging. I mean, 
I think we're in a generation where kids are pretty much growing up with the helmet, you know, uh, especially like on a bicycle. Um, but, you know, I think, like you said, they reach an age where they just don't want to wear it anymore. And, and is it, is it 15 that they don't, that they don't like under 15, they have to wear a helmet is the law on a bike. I, I can't remember. Um, there isn't, a, as, as far as I understand it, there isn't a law. Um, there I is think not there a safety, law. That's my understanding. There are safety okay. recommendations. There are, there are cities and counties, and I could be wrong, so I don't want to be quoted as a source, right, but right. It's, it's my understanding that Minnesota has, um, we don't have those laws, and there are cities and counties around the country, just sort of smatterings of municipalities who've passed those laws, but at the same time, like, it's it's not super enforceable, right? Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So it still comes down to the kid believing that it's worth it. It still comes down yeah. to um, creating a culture where you don't look like a dork for wearing a helmet, right? You know? And, and in that skateboard culture in particular, it's just not super part of the vibe or the style, right, that you're wearing a helmet. So I think it is more about reaching the kids and getting into that culture. Like you said, when we are pretty good about putting our little kids in helmets. But if you pay attention in the neighborhoods, oftentimes kids have helmets on and their parents don't. So we're doing a really good job messaging that to kids of like, yeah. you'll get you'll get old enough, you'll get good enough where you won't need that silly baby equipment. And so as soon as kids want to feel older around their peers or show that they've got the skills, they're going to take those helmets off. You know, and that raises an excellent point because all the time I see families, you know, I live in St. Paul and I'll see entire families, you know, on their bikes and all the little kids have their helmets on, but mom and dad aren't wearing one. And I think, you know, you just really hit the nail on the head with that, that, you know, we're teaching them that, you know, when you get older, you don't have to wear one because you're good enough. And as you know, and I know, that's really not the reality because I can share with you a whole lot of friends who have gotten their traumatic brain injury from falling off a bike or being hit by a car. Um, You know, there's just a lot of inattentive drivers, too, and so... Um, it's not always your own fault that you, you know, get hit um, or that you have an accident. Is what I'm right. To say. Right. Um, you know, so you just, you just, you, you just don't know. And, you know, you never know when, like, there might be road debris that you don't see and you might hit that. And, um, yeah, there's just so many variables when you don't have your feet on the ground. Just like you said, I love, I love how you put right. that <laughs> when you don't have your feet on the ground. <laughs> Yeah, the great well, we had we met a patient who um, who was skateboarding and the board snapped, which isn't oh. about being careless, right? It's not about not being skilled. They're called accidents for a reason, you know. There's too many variables, um, and that's the conversation with the kids. Is like it isn't it isn't about what you can and can't do, right? I think a lot of times I know that. This 17-year-old often feels like, right, all I'm doing is you can't do this and don't do that, which I think we, we sort of drowned ourselves out, which I hope this no-hummer-no-ride yeah. message 
makes an impact that doesn't get drowned out for the kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, Willie, are you still doing any sort of therapies, or are you pretty much all done with all of that? I am completely done with all those therapies. Good for you. And so do you get on your skateboard anymore? Oh, absolutely not. (laughs) (laughs) That's a no zone, huh? (laughs) Yeah, I'm not risking that one again. Yeah, and good for you. And I think that's a great message, you know. Um, You know, I, I, I just see too many people, like, I mean, Willie had a really severe injury. And he was in the hospital for several months of his life where I see other kids who have more of a mild injury per se and um, they get right back on their skateboard and, you know, still maybe even with or without a helmet, you're just still at such risk after having a brain injury um, that it, you know, I just, I, I just think that sometimes things just aren't worth the risk. Like myself, I'm terrified to get back on a bike and my injury had nothing to do with the bike. But I just feel like, you know, getting on a bike, you, 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 your feet aren't on the ground. Um, yeah. And there's just so many variables. Even even with a helmet on, you know, having another accident yep. could just, you just don't even know what the severity could be with that. It's been interesting to try to explain to people, like, why can't Willie play hockey? You know, he can skate just as well as he did before he got hurt. He looks just as sharp. His shot is back it's just as sharp but um even with a helmet on he rocks that brain inside his skull and um we could be dealing with a very different situation i mean i've heard the phrase fatal secondary injury far more than i would ever want to hear in my life um (laughs) you know it's um it is and that is probably i don't know willie i don't want to speak for you but for me, the hardest piece of all this is that, you know, at, from 14 on, um, you know, poor kid was born with a protective mother who turned into a, I don't know what the word is that we could say on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> a very overprotective mother in all caps with bold letters, right? And um, and this, there's so much fear of what you know, what that secondary fatal injury could look like or what could it be. And so I think that's a hard thing to live with for me anyway. I don't know. What would you say the hardest thing is to live with? Not being able to play sports? Yeah. Not being able to play sports. Hockey, really. Yeah. Mhm. Mhm. Yeah. I'm sure you'd miss it. Um, but oh, yeah. I, I mean, I know you have an overprotective mom, but do you <laughs> yourself feel like it's just not worth the risk? Yeah, I I don't really want to yeah. risk death. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, that's uh, no that's better way to put it ears, than that. By the way. <laughs> that is music to my mother ears. <laughs> oh, I love it. Well, you guys, we have just about two minutes left, um, and I thank you both so much for being here and sharing your story. And thank you, Willie, yeah. for you know really just driving it home how it's just not worth the risk. Um, oh, and so, thank you so you, much. Go ahead, Willie. Oh, I said thank you so much for having us on here. Oh, absolutely. My pleasure. And do you guys have a website for the No Helmet, No Ride? 
You know, the easiest way to find it is through Facebook, which I've been told is sort of an old lady way to go about things from my teenage son. But uh, uh, it's the easy. There is a No Helmet, No Ride Facebook page. Um, we are discoverable in the regions website, but that's a little, you got to go a little deep for that. Um, but people can reach out to that um, No Helmet, No Ride Facebook page if they're interested in booking a presentation at their kids' school, if they're a teacher, um, if they have a community school, and they just have a contact they want to hook me up with, I'm pretty good at explaining what we do, and um, I would love to reach as many kids as I can. Awesome. Well, thank you both so much for your time. I really appreciate it. I know we had to wait for Willie to get home from school, so thank you so much, (laughs) Willie. Thank you, Mary. Thanks, Amy. Thanks for doing what you're doing. Thank you. All right. Well, thank you, everyone, for listening. I really hope that you enjoyed today's podcast. And, um, again, you can find them on Facebook, No Helmet, No Ride. And, again, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Amy Vollmer. And you can find me and my podcast at facesoftbi.com. And just one more thank you to our sponsor, Minnesota Functional Neurology, the concussion doctors you can trust in Minnesota mnfunctionalneurology.com. Thank you, everyone, for being a part of my journey. And everyone have a great afternoon, and I will see you all again next time.